Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, and I have a legendary Jimmy Lee with me, so that will be the noise you hear. Happy Halloween to everyone. This comes out actually on Halloween Day. Halloween Day? Halloween. So uh, get your trick-or-treat on, get your candy on, and... uh, Save a little, then you won't have to be picking it up off the ground during the next race you do. So, not a lot to talk about. We had our first little bitty tiny snow here. Um, yeah, you like the snow. Got the chili dogs fenced in front yard. Should have done that five, six years ago. Now we can just open the door and kick her out. Let her banyo instead of... Putting on her collar, gabbing her leash, going out, walking around. Anyway, got that part done. Spent the night cooking for her. Little uh, ribeye steak and venison hamburger. My dog eats well. See, I didn't even say good. Um, eh, That's enough, right? You don't want to listen to me. Hannah Taylor this week. Met her for the first time at the NARS Championships. And uh, kind of a, not kind of, a very interesting person. Uh, duh, why not? Otherwise, why would be the use of having her on the podcast? So um, we will have a short message from Adventure Enablers. And then on with the show. Thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, and anybody want to buy a bird? You may know adventure enablers from such races as Cowboy Tough, the AR World Championships, and the Shenandoah Epic. Well, now check out the latest event in the AR World Series circuit, the Shenandoah Tough. It's a 3.5-day race. I should probably say three-and-a-half-day race across the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., uh, hub of outdoor adventures, including some of the best mountain biking on the East Coast. So, if you'd like to sign up for some grit with a side of grits, um, you can learn more at uh, ShenandoahTough.com and AdventureEnablers.com, and those will be in the show notes. I don't think Jimmy will be there, but I think I will be. So, thanks for listening. On with the show. This is it. I heard an answer. Hello. Hello. There. Now I got it. Are you there still? I am still here. <clears throat> My problem that I have almost all the time when I call people, because I've only done this 170 times, is fixed. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> well, I know how to fix it now. it's this thing that um if i don't click the right button or for some reason it doesn't stay clicked then i hear myself in in my headphones and oh that's way too much of me (laughs) right so ah okay cool i first of all let me say i love it when people are on time (laughs) you know it seems like such a simple thing but you know, there you know times it's like oh, 15, 20 minutes, and I, they're not online, or 
once in a while somebody never shows up. So thank you for oh, being on. <laughs> Thanks no for problem. being on time. And then my second question, and this is the most important one, is how many times a week do you get called feisty? Feisty? <laughs> um, not very many to my face, at least. Oh, well, I kind of, that, that's my impression of you, is you're, a, you're feisty in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, I well, you don't. That, I guess you don't take no crap from Olaf. <laughs> oh no, you can't. Yeah. Well, that's maybe that's maybe that's general knowledge that you, nobody takes crap from Olaf because he's a, a wimp. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know if that's one of the first words I'd use to describe him either. But um, <laughs> yeah. well, okay. So you're not feisty. He's not a wimp, and Whitney's just Whitney. Oh, Whitney's awesome. <laughs> um, those two, if if I was going to start a adventure race modeling Hall of Fame, they'd be my first two, first two inductees. I just I, they, I can't take a bad picture of them. So. Well, I mean, I I guess either they're really photogenic or you're just really lucky, one or the other, maybe both. Or I'm really, really, really good, or I have a really <laughs> expensive camera. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, who, uh, who are you for everybody that's wondering what the hell we're talking about? <laughs> uh, my name is Hannah Taylor, and I have raced with Olaf and Whitney Hedberg twice now. And uh, that's like, raced with them twice, and you've done a total of two adventure races? That is also true, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm two for two for Team Hedberg or team naira depending on how you want to look at it which i understand the team naira but maybe you guys should be team summit county skiing or it's it's might be time that you changed your name i know it, it might be time to just be the summit nordic ski club adventure racing team or something yeah so we'll have to see although there's there's a pretty good history of naira and you know, if we were smart, we could figure out something Naira stands for that's Colorado based. I don't, I don't think I'm that smart <laughs> for letters. All right, so somebody out there will figure it out and let us know. Um, so I was doing some. You can either call it research or stalking, but so you're a ski coach with them. Yes. I have been ski coaching here for quite a while. Um, I was I was here before they showed up. So, yeah, I ski coach and I do some other things too, but that's a big one. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, I know Olaf calls you badass mountain woman, and I, I see why. But um, let's let's just start at the beginning. When when did you put first put on skis? Oh, um, I'm one of those that put on skis before I could walk. I think I was about like 18 months old or something. Um, I'm from northern New Hampshire where we used to get a lot of snow, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, my my parents had me on skis very early. Does that um, I'm I'm. Obviously, that's perfectly normal for you because that's what you did. But how to to those of us that um, don't ski, and I'm raising my hands, 
What's that like when you're skiing when you're 18 months old? <laughs> oh, I don't think it's really like skiing at all. It's just sort of like shuffling around. And I mean, at that point, I had like tiny little poles. So that's probably why it was easier than walking because mm-hmm. they give you like built in walking sticks. And all of a sudden, you have more balance points. Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, and and just so you know, this this might end up being fairly ski skiing eccentric because I know about adventure racing. I don't know that much about really good skiers. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so, and then we may we may go whoever knows where. Um, so if you start skiing when you're 18 months old, when? How old were you when it's like like walking for you? <laughs> did, did, um, do you know what I mean? Because you, you don't even have to think about it. You just are skiing. I mean, it, it's kind of just always been there. I didn't start racing or anything like that until I was in middle school or high school. And by then, it was pretty second nature to like to ski. So when you're, so did you grow up with all your friends or skiers or did, were there uh, ones, ones that are like, how come you don't ski? No, I mean, it was, there were definitely people who skied and people who didn't. Um, so it wasn't like everybody had been skiing since they were that little. So, that's kind of cool. So then, are you on the the traditional stereotypical? You grow up, did you go to college as a ski racer, then got hurt, then discovered bicycles, and then started running, and then became an adventure racer? You know that old story? Oh, I mean, I guess it's a fairly similar arc. I never really got very injured. Um, <laughs> after I graduated college, my, like, primary goal was to learn how to heli ski so that's i i didn't get injured but i got a little burned out on nordic skiing so i i started doing a lot more alpine and telly so um all right here's a question that has no answer but i want you to answer it anyway what's your best day of skiing ever oh um i mean there's some there are a lot of good ones to choose from really uh and most of them involve you know being out in the backcountry with a small group of friends and either it being like an amazing snow day or just skiing a really fun line and some of them you know the skiing was terrible but it was a great it was a great tour anyway so um that's interesting. What, what what is a better day of skiing? Really, really good snow or really, really good friends? Both together. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the easy answer. No, <laughs> go with snow. Okay. <laughs> so friends are always there. Snow comes and goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what's what's a? Give me a good example of a nice fun like expedition you know you know that, that you do over a weekend with skiing with friends um 
I mean, it just varies. A lot of the winter is taken up with, you know, ski coaching and going to mm-hmm. races with the kids. So it's mm-hmm. kind of squeezing in tours here and there where, you know, where we can. Yeah. Uh, there's some really good local lines that, you know, I can see out my office window and hit those pretty, pretty frequently. Um one cool one that I did with Olaf this past winter is called the uh, Trooper Traverse, and it goes from outside Leadville over to Aspen, and it's named after the 10th Mountain Division guys mm-hmm. who did it uh, for the first time in, like, I don't know, a long time ago, 1940-something, probably. Yeah, probably 42 or 43. Yeah. So, so. Uh, well, you know... That's an interesting point that you have to spend all your winter working. So it does it does it become work skiing? Or do, you know, um, are you sitting there and thinking, "Gah, if I could just get rid of these kids, I could go have some fun." <laughs> no, the kids are pretty fun. I yeah. try to try to stay really positive about spending the time with them because it really, you know, as far as jobs go, it's a pretty awesome job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get that from talking to, to Olaf and Whitney and that that would be pretty cool. So, For sure. Yeah. So it's a job. What do you do? I mean, what's a how do you what's a day like for you coaching skiing? You, I'm, I'm assuming you're not out uh, eight hours a day on the snow. No, and I so I have an, another job that's ski related, but yeah. not ski coaching. Um, I I work for an organization that runs backcountry ski huts okay. here in Colorado. So part of my day is usually spent in the office doing things for for Summit Huts, and then part of my day, you know, the afternoon is with the kids. This time of year, we're dry land training. Probably in a couple of weeks, we'll be on snow. So that'll be fun. Yeah. So you work for Summit Huts. That's separate than the 10th Mountain, right? Uh, separate but intertwined. Okay. So you can, like, somebody can, like, book hut, book a trip with your huts, 10th Mountain, you know, like that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um. What's your favorite hut? Well, oh, two-part question. What's your favorite hut in the winter, and what's your favorite hut in the summer? Um, well, Janet's cabin in the summer is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few that's only accessed by trail, so there's nobody driving to it at all. So it yep. has a very different feel. So I like that one a lot. And then... I don't stay at Francie's cabin very often just because it's pretty quick to get to, but there's some really great skiing right around there. Yeah. So how 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 much would you look down on me because I've been to the huts summer three or four times and, and never in the winter, but that's because I don't like snow. <laughs> I wouldn't look down at you at all. I think no. I think I mean, I think it's an awesome experience, and it's pretty its pretty sweet any time of the year, really. It is. And I think if people aren't familiar with the hut system, they're not really huts, are they? Well, it, it, what, hut, what most people would think of a hut. I mean, they're kind of like luxury cabins in yeah. the backcountry, yeah. the ones that, 
you know, we've got saunas and indoor toilets and stuff. So, yeah, hut is maybe a little bit too rugged a term for what we've got going on. Yeah. So the, when we first stayed in them was probably the second year we did the Leadville, the mountain bike race. Mm-hmm. And, and to tell you how long ago this was, there's two things. The first year we did Leadville, there were 67 riders. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I don't think we we stayed in huts because we would come for a week or ten days for altitude, and I don't think we ever shared a hut with anybody else. And if it was, it was like one or two other people. So that was yeah. I, I think they're a little bit busier these days, yeah. maybe. And and my favorite story of trail finding in the summer and trying to think. Where is this trail that they're saying and looking about um, 20 feet in the air and seeing the trail marker up there? <laughs> so, yeah. Which is perfect eye level when there's, uh, when there's 16 feet of snow. snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we've established Nordic skiing, downhill skiing, and um, running. So, yeah. You're a, like a super badass trail runner, too. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I do some yeah. sort of long ones where it's just about hanging in there. Anything too short is a little too fast for me. Yeah, I, I know that exactly. Um, <clears throat> so where is your sweet spot for ultra running 50 mile, 100 mile, 200 mile, what do you think? Um, I, I've i only done 50 Ks and 100 miles, so yeah. I, I don't think I have any interest in 200 miles, but never say never. Yeah. Uh, 100 is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I know in, in my uh, research, you actually won the, the High Lonesome 100 this year. I did. It was the first year of the race, and uh, it was really rainy, and it was a great course, and I I did win. Yeah, in exactly thirty hours, which I think is kind of cool. <laughs> I yeah, I think I I think I squeaked in in like twelve seconds under or something like that, but very very close. <laughs> so, why uh, what what uh, compelled you to become uh, an ultra runner, which is probably sort of what compels you to become an adventure racer. What is it about that that uh, that that interests you? Well, I I just sort of assumed that I could do it, and then I decided I should probably figure out if that was actually true. <laughs> so the the first one I did was Leadville, and it was pretty rough. Um, but I, yeah, so I just, I mean, I assumed, yeah, I just assumed I would be able to do it. And then I did, and I was like, well, okay, that was kind of rough, but let's see what I can do with another one. And that's sort of how it started. Yeah. Is, I'm, let's see, how do I want to put this? Have you been like that your whole life? Just, just do you always assume you can do something and then figure it out? <laughs> uh, I think so. 
And and has that ever come back? And you're like, you come home and like, nope, can't do that. Um. Well, I've definitely selected things that I have a, an affinity for. Um, so I have motivation to finish them. It's not like I've, I don't know, gone out and tried to be like an Olympic figure skater or something and failed at that. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fair enough. So how how did you, how did Whitney and Olaf convince you Con you, drug you into becoming an adventure racer. Tell me, tell me how you uh, got to that first race. So, um, I think the first like time that it came up was at a ski race where we were like it was very early in the morning and we we're at the wax bench and I busted out my toothbrush at like sunrise <laughs> and Olaf was like that is a very adventure racer thing to do. And I was like, okay, well, cool. And then more things just sort of started coming up. And I think it was uh, their New Year's party last year where they were both like, okay, this year is the year that we want to do an adventure race with you. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, Name the time and the place, and I will do my best to keep up. And that's pretty much how we got to the Teton Ogre. Yeah. So it didn't take a lot of convincing is what I'm hearing. No, I mean, it sounded like a challenge. I like a challenge, and uh, yeah. So coming into the first race, the Teton Ogre, what um, – what were you expecting, and how did how did the race fit your expectations? Was it what you were thinking? Was it harder, short, easier, or just different? Um, I really went in with very, very few expectations. I mean, I knew what generally we were going to be doing, but otherwise, I mean, I just <laughs> I had no idea, but. That was fine. Um, And it was that one. It was, I mean, I guess as much as I had no real expectations, like there weren't any huge surprises of things that happened in it. Mm -hmm. Like we rode our bikes, we went on our feet, we went in the boats and um, but I, I can't say I've never crossed quite so many rivers carrying my bike as I did that day and night. That was, that was a little bit of a surprise. Well, yeah, that can, yeah, just, uh, you, you just never know when stuff like that's going to happen, but, you know. um, so what, um, what are, what are your strengths and, uh, weaknesses in adventure racing so far that you found um my my weaknesses are anything that doesn't involve going up and down mountains on foot <laughs> like that's pretty much yeah. uh that's the that's where my strength is and my weakness is everything else yeah so what you're saying is iowa was like the perfect race for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh 
Yeah, I, <laughs> Iowa was surprising, um, and it was not surprising that it did not play exactly to my strengths. But it was still a it was still a really neat race for sure. Yeah, it was, and it. I mean, that was sort of an exceptionally fast race, even for a, a thirty hour race. So. You, you, you were kind of thrown in the fire there, but I saw you out there and you were doing fine. You were oh, it was it was, it was much faster than I expected. Hmm. Um, but it I mean yeah, I I got a lot of help, which was great. But do you think um, you can build on that now going on? He's like, well, I can I can go a little faster than I thought I could after doing that. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like if I get invited back again to something else, um, it would probably, you know, I would I would be aware that a 30-hour race might finish in 18, and I might need a little more speed here or there. Yeah. <clears throat> did, was that something that you kind of surprised you, that the 30-hour race only took 18 hours? Or were you thinking yep. you were going to be there for 30 hours? Well, I I guess I was thinking it was definitely going to be more than I, – I mean, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was about 18, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I assumed that we would be out there for at least 24. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people did. So with a lot of people that have much more experience than you do. So. But – um. Well, here's here's basic question 101. Do you like adventure racing? So far. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you um so you talk about being, you know, uh slower or longer works better for you. Um are you starting to think about maybe like a 3 or 4 day expedition would be fit you a little better? Oh, I don't know about a little better. I'd definitely like to give it a try at some point. Um, if that worked out with, you know, everybody and schedules and life and all of that yeah. stuff. I mean, I I don't feel like 24 to 30 hours is a short race by any means. But, yeah, I'd like to try a, a multi-day. So, did um, have Olaf and Whitney told you stories, stories about cowboy tough and races like that to try and get you excited oh they didn't have to tell me stories pretty much as soon as i well they told me stories yeah. but pretty much as soon as i met them i became a very committed dot watcher ah. and like following along as closely as i could with all of their various um races yeah yeah um i know what i wanted i wanted to ask was something, and I kind of got the story in Iowa, but um, the, the you and you and Whitney went for a little run in the mountains, and then that was kind of when she decided you might make a good adventure racer. Is that was that kind of the where you were? Out yeah. All so, day? <laughs> so so I've done a bunch with both of them. Um, but there was one really special, like, night run that we did last year for the supermoon. And mm -hmm. we started it, like, I don't know, after work, after 
after their nine o'clock bedtime. <laughs> and I, I think we ended up like on the top of the first pass at like maybe nine thirty or 10. And then we had, Oh, I don't know what it was like 20 ish miles that we were doing on ridges, just connecting ridges around Breckenridge. Mm-hmm. And we finished that around four or yeah, something around four in the morning. And it was, you know, it was four in the morning. It's nobody's favorite time of day, Yeah. but the, the general stoke level there was just pretty extremely high. And I think that's, that's kind of what, what sealed the deal for, for my first invite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounded like pretty epic and kind of fun. Actually. I, I remember oh, the days when I would do that kind of stuff. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. But, um, so you coach, do you, do you use a coach or do you, do you know how to train yourself? Um, I, I take input from other people and, but for the most part, I just make my own um, my own game plan, which is not like a, a weekly training schedule or anything like that. Uh, I, I have some like key workouts that I try to do going into like the bigger races that I do. And that's, I just sort of check them off as they go. Okay. But, um, my shorthand is, are you a, are you a next ridger or are you a power meter type person? I used I'm, to say heart rate monitor, but nobody uses a heart rate monitor. Now it's got to be a power meter. I actually do still use a heart rate monitor for some things. Yay. <laughs> Old school. Yep. <laughs> so, so put your heart rate monitor and then go see what's over the next ridge. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't obsess over it, but it's interesting to see like what, what you get out of it. Yeah. So would you monitor during a workout or do you go home and look and see and then and then kind of figure it out from there oh more more after the fact okay so how do you um how do you train a young kid because i mean obviously the big chunk of it's got to depend on your age and and how do you uh work that into it and where they're at and physically well i mean we have a pretty big group of kids so training plans can't be totally you know day-to-day some things are kids specific and some things are group oriented um but you know for this age kid which is we're mostly talking high school age Hmm. and it's just it's a lot of technique and working on making sure they're developing speed. And this, this maybe you can't, another one of my, you can't answer this question, but do you have any skiers on your team that are going to be really good someday? We have skiers on the team that are already really Really good. good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And who do the race? Is there high school racing, ski racing, or, or just how does, how does, how do you ski race if you're in high school? 
Um, well, there are kind of two different tracks, and most of the kids do both of them. There's, you know, Colorado high school skiing where it's, you know, high schools competing against high schools. And then also through the, you know, USSA, there's a separate series of races where the kids are trying to qualify for junior nationals and international racing and things like that. And that's more what we're focused on, but yeah. most of the kids that we have do both. Thank you. And in Colorado and maybe specifically Breckenridge, is it uh, cool if you're a high schooler and you're on the ski team? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Nordies are really very much cooler than they've ever been. So, well, we've got to got to do something about that, you know. And in New Zealand, it's you know it's a big deal to be on the high school adventure race team. So, we got to make it a big deal to be on the ski team, on the Nordic team. Well, we 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 try to have the results speak for themselves, but I don't I don't know if it's like a cool kids pass. I uh, kind of doubt it. Yeah, they're all. Nordic skiers are a little different. Is that what you're saying? And they don't care about what other people think. They're just they want to be good. There might be some of that going on. Yeah. So it's inter. It's it's it's. Uh, I find it interesting that there's, there's high school kids that are actually into sports. You know, it's such a low number around the United States. Oh, I don't mean around Summit County. Yeah, I'm, we're we're a little skewed because I assume that. You know, I mean, these kids are so busy. They're doing, like, lots of different sports. Yeah. Do they, um, you say lots of sports. Do our Nordic ski racers, do they, are they like um, AAU basketball players? They only focus on basketball? Or do they actually do soccer, baseball, or football? Or do they all f focus on one thing all year? Um, we have some kids who have decided to focus just on skiing in high school. The middle school kids are a lot more doing multiple sports, but in high school we have kids who run cross country and play soccer and volleyball in the fall, and then uh, there are definitely some spring sports too. Yeah. Do you, um, from your perspective, do you – do you think you can become a really good skier and with other sports or, or do they, do they get to a point where they just have to like, yep, I'm a skier and that's all I do? I think it depends on the kid and the sport. I mean, cross country running and mountain biking are, or can be very complimentary. Yeah. The, the sort of game sports, it's harder to make a good case for, you know, I don't, I don't think you're going to find too many people playing volleyball and competitively skiing Nordic in college or even in, you know. Yeah. That that makes a sense. I, that, and that may be really what it comes down to is eventually you got to specialize in a team sport or a solo sport. Yeah. So. I mean, I think, and I think with individual sports, you don't necessarily have to choose one as long as as long as the seasons are complementary and yeah. and your your training works together. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Every, you know, that's what you hear all the time is skiers I'm on a bike for training, and 
I like that better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so just you know that that's where it comes across as. So, um, here's my 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 future future hunk. You got any uh, cool trips planned for this winter? Cool trips. Yeah. Or do you got to? Are you going to just do all the cool stuff close to home? The backyard cool stuff. Probably be a little more focused on close to home stuff. Uh, I mean, we've got you know ski camps and things like that, but I'm not sure I would call West Yellowstone in November a super cool trip. <laughs> so, um, well, we're not going to get in into it here, but I've got I've even got stories from West Yellowstone from friends that went racing there. So, oh. <laughs> I got a really good one someday. If I see you in the middle of nowhere and you're, I'll tell you. How's okay. that for a okay. teaser? <laughs> that, that sounds like a deal. I'm, I'm going to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Make me, force me to it. So, um, what do you, it's more of my future hunk. How good of an adventure racer do you think you can be? That's kind of what I ask everybody. <laughs> But I mean, you're new. I mean, you got two races. You're such a rookie. I have like 40 hours of racing total. <laughs> um, so not very much. Um, I mean, I I don't know. I, I... here here's here's a, a more fair question. That maybe we probably cover this, but do you want to keep adventure racing? yeah i mean it's 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 fun to do something new but not totally foreign and you know i like the components of it are all things that i have at least some experience with it's Mm -hmm. just putting it all together and um that's you know that's different, but yeah, I would I would definitely like to keep keep seeing what's out there and trying it out, and also you know I don't think I'd ever be doing it exclusively. So yeah. having it fit in with other other events that I've got coming up or planned, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah, and then there are the caveats. Yeah. So do you got um, any more 100-milers on your radar next year? I hope so. We're getting, I mean, one sort of frustrating thing about about being in the ultra running thing is the lotteries and putting into lotteries and not sure which ones you're going to get into and sort of being at the whim of random draws before you know what your summer is going to look like. But uh, I think that I'll do the high lonesome again and then see what else I can get into. I'm, I'm, you, I'm going to give you a tip right now. The Black, okay. Hill, the Black Hills 100. It's about yeah. 90% single track. Way, way, way more climbing than you would expect. Okay, so... Give, give me a number. What kind of what kind of vert are we talking? More than more than fifteen thousand feet, I think. Okay. Um, if only I had some sort of com- computational device. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Let's see. Fortunately, it comes up right away for me. Um, and it, uh, let's see. I'm going to race him for course. The Black Hill. Oh, see, we're, we're hearing the information. Let's see. Um, let's see. I will put a link, Black Hills 100. Let's see here. Where are we at? Um, elevation, <clears throat> elevation gain is... Eighteen thousand five hundred and fifty six. That's pretty good, actually. It's um, yeah, and it has the uh, the added option if you really bonk into mile forty eight, you can drop out at my house. <laughs> so oh, that that's no fun. I know. Um, I always I always threaten that I'm going to do it sometime just so I can drop out at home. Because how many times can you do a hundred mile race and drop out at your house? So. But um, and and here's here's where they're really smart about it. It's always the same weekend as Western states. Oh, it's early. Yeah, June. That's that's, that's early for those of us who like don't start running until June. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, but I, a lot of people actually, you know, they'll put in for Western states and they train for it, and if they don't, they get Go to come here. That. And it. Um, it can be anywhere from 100 degrees to about 40. <laughs> so, if, yeah. And I don't know which is better. Well, I know which is better for me, the 100 degrees always. But, oh, so, I don't know. That's hot. <laughs> I've always been, or well, in the day, I was always a hot weather runner. So I'd, uh, I always pick hot over cold. So there you go. Something to think about. It's only about yeah, six hours. So, definitely something to think about. So um, let's see. Skiing. We covered skiing. We covered adventure racing. We covered what you're going to do next year. I think it's time for me to go walk the dog. All right. <laughs> so, Sounds good. So, um, well, I, I, it was nice meeting you. Any friend of Olaf and Whitney's is cool in my book, so you're there. All right. For whatever that means, <laughs> which is nothing. But so, well, thank you for the chat. It was interesting. Yeah, thank you. All right, we will. Um, I bet you we. I see you at a race next year. Yeah, I, I think there's a pretty good chance of that. So, all right, cool. Thanks. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Hudson River Line I'm in a new 
on a movie star in a fancy car and a limousine. Hiding behind the Rockies under the evergreen. Well, I know when I need it, and I'm not gonna waste more time. I'm in a New York state of mind. I'm going to try something for my very, 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 very first album. This is called uh, Blood of the Sun. <laughs> 